Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We love having you here, and it's our mission to bring you all the latest and greatest tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you have it in you, and we're going to show you how. Now, now, let's get started. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Anti-Bullying 101. My name is Jim Burns. I'm a retired high school principal. I have over 40 years of experience in education. Right now, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the course, The Bullyproof Classroom, which provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Today, we're going to talk about why homework should be banned from school, and what happens to the family table when homework gets brought up? You know, as a teacher, administrator, and a parent, I was never a big fan of homework. I know that teachers assign it, kids are expected to do it, but for what reason? If a student doesn't understand a concept in school, what makes anyone think they'll understand it at home? Not to mention that most times parents don't understand the homework even if it's as basic as third grade work. Problems always seem to arise once the question gets asked, did you do your homework? That usually gets asked at the dinner table, or at least it used to. This is where the hometown climate goes south and discussions break out that are less savory than the meal. Those so-called family discussions can turn into family battles, with the fuse being lit by the topic of homework. Homework. The bane of most parents' existence. No kid is learning anything by doing homework. Sometimes the homework is unrelated to the content being taught that day. And I question if the stuff is even given a cursory look by the teacher who usually acknowledges it with its receipt with a check or check plus or a check minus. So what do we do? My thoughts create quarterly projects. The students would complete four content-related projects that they have nine weeks to work on, one project per marking period. These projects would be designed to be age-appropriate and would cover one subject area per marking period, math, English, science, social studies. Now just think about what this could really develop in kids. Self-control how to schedule, how to make sure you don't let things go to the last minute, some type of discipline, they have to do some research, all of the above. All of these things would help, this approach would help kids develop those skills, which is what they need going forward in life. I mean, most times people work on projects at work, 
I mean, they have their day-to-day activities that they have to work on, but in reality, they work on a project. Now, I might be projecting here. I really don't know what happens at most dinner tables. All I can tell you is dinner tables can be a war zone if the guests are having a bad day or if dad doesn't like the food. Sometimes we might wish that texting was how we were communicating. As a kid in my house, homework produced a moderate amount of trouble. As an educator, I began to understand why it was useless. If the kid can't do the work and the parents don't understand it, what's supposed to happen? Usually a fight breaks out. Many years ago, I wrote an article on the family table, as it was called, and described what went on in my house. See, we all get caught up on this whole idea of the family table. And I've had plenty of discussions with people. Homework was the, was the topic that got brought up at most tables. I only wish that homework was the topic that got brought up at my table when I was a kid. The food, the atmosphere, and my father were all constant contributors to the discord at the dinner table. So before you get caught up on the family table, you better take a look at your family tree and start wondering, is it the family table or is it the tree? It never ceases to amaze me how we can believe that an actor or an actress on a commercial is really the character he or she portray on a sitcom. Watching TV many years ago, Roseanne Barr was doing a commercial talking about the importance of having dinner at the, quote, family table. So the commercial flashed back to her and John Goodman on, Rose, on a Roseanne episode sitting at the table, engaged in an argument, which was supposed to be funny to the viewer. The point of the commercial was that it doesn't matter what goes on at the family table as long as you have one. As a kid, we had a family table. It was a war zone. I'm sure that many people can relate to my family table, and I'm sick of calling it that, too. What is this term, anyway? Family table. In my house, the family table was more like the family zoo. It didn't really dawn on me how crazy it was until my sister started dating, and she would bring one of her boyfriends home for dinner. The poor guy would sit there and watch my father cool a baked potato. You know the way everyone does it. Take the potato out of the skin with a fork and hold it about two feet in the air for about 15 seconds and stare at the steam. Then wave it up and down like a magic wand four or five times until you think it's cool. Well, we all knew it was still hot. He'd start to eat it and then he would leave his mouth half open while he sucked air in to try and cool it off. You see, my father was a short-order cook when he was younger. 
then he was also a mess sergeant in the army. I guess he thought that made him some sort of chef. He always complained about my mother's cooking. She wasn't very open to his comments either, which led to the battle lines being drawn between the two of them. My dad also watched his diet. His dinners consisted of a small piece of protein, a vegetable and a potato, and a slice of bread. My mother consistently made those meals for him every night for dinner, but she always fed my two sisters and and I the good stuff. You know, all the starch and no protein. You know, and that got to him because he would always say, you know, why are you feeding them that, that food? I tell you, he was purely disgusted by the meals we ate. My father didn't want me to get fat, but I did. I never knew when he was going to make another negative comment about my diet. One night I ate about a pound of macaroni and meat sauce and a half a loaf of bread for dinner while he had his standard sparse dinner. You know, he didn't say one word to me about what I was eating. He just let me eat my delicious dinner in peace without making one negative comment about my unhealthy food. About two hours later, I said to him, I think I'm getting a cold. That was a mistake. He couldn't wait to jump on that, and he said to me, Well, that stuff you had for dinner tonight, you could catch anything from that. And you gobbled it up like dog food. My father, the general, won the battle after all. He got me. There were many little idiosyncrasies that he had. One day he picked up the butter dish at the table and found a hair in it. And that basically started a riot at the table. He walked away from the dinner table thinking that it might be a pubic hair. He wore dentures that were out of his mouth every waking minute that he wasn't eating or working. They usually fell out of his mouth when he started to yell. That's when he would rip him out of his mouth so he could finish his tirade. Before he came to the table, his teeth had to be brushed, cleaned, and rinsed for about ten minutes. My mother would call him to dinner really early so he would have time to get his dentures polished up. She knew he hated cold food and didn't want to listen to him complain. One night he was going through his going through his denture ritual, spit-shining his teeth for an unusually long time. My mother must have called him to the table for 20 minutes. He finally sat down, took three bites of food, and looked at me and said, Cold. My mother went nuts because she had done everything humanly possible to get him to the table while the food was still hot. He proceeded to laugh at her, which predictably ended in another battle. This time the general had a landmine perfectly placed and she stepped on it. Diet was always on my father's mind. One evening my sister was leaving for a friend's house at dinner hour. My father said to her, aren't you going to eat dinner with us? She said, no, I'm eating at Carol's. He said, oh, well, have a good time. After she left, he looked at me and she said, 
She'll eat greasy food over there and have fat legs like Carol. Lucky for her, she got out before the general decided to open fire. My oldest sister left home, moved to New York when she was 31. Actually, she was 21. I just can't imagine why. She would come back to visit once a month or so. My sister had the ability to eat fast, and I mean really fast. She ate like she was going to the electric chair. My father, on the other hand, was the slowest eater on the planet. She would finish eating, and he would just be getting started. When she was done eating, she got up, started to clear the table, and do the dishes. In a small kitchen, the smell of Lux liquid started to become really noticeable. Not to mention my sister's soapy hands clearing the table, leaving soap suds behind, and right on, you guessed it, my father's food. This meant war. My sister didn't have a chance to surrender and throw up the white flag. She was blown right out of the house and back to Brooklyn Heights. The family table is a popular new term that's supposed to mean that dinner time is where families should be talking and building strong relationships. It's a good idea. But in my case, because of my father's personality and food-related phobias, our family table was not the place that this could happen. Try and remember, you don't need the family table to talk to your kids. You could talk to your kids in the family car. I love spending time with my own kids. I don't have to be at a dinner table. We're all too fat anyway. Don't get me wrong. I think it's great that we have dinner together and chat and enjoy each other's company. But not because Roseanne says I should. Because it's something that's fun. Society always tries to hook some gimmick to things that occurred years ago in a very natural way. In my case, my father had more conversations with me in that car than he did at the dinner table. We always went on long car rides, and having conversations was a very natural thing to do. I have more conversations with my kids in the car, and while we're working on projects than I do at the dinner table... Try talking to kids without food. Talk, try talking to your kids without food in your mouth. They might hear what you're saying a little better. Difficulties break out at the family table. You don't need to be at the family table to build a relationship with your kids. And certainly, kids don't need to do homework because it just creates difficulty and problems at the family table. This is where the war zone is for many parents. My feeling? Hey, work on a project together with your kids. You might enjoy it. You might have some fun. They may have some fun. You might find out just how talented your kids actually are. But certainly, certainly, we need to rethink whether or not kids are doing homework and what it does to the atmosphere of the house. My name is Jim Burns. You have been 
listening to Anti-Bullying 101. I thank you for being here with me. If you get time, please go to the website, bullyproofclassroom.com. Take a look. You're going to love the resources that are there. Listen to the rest of these podcasts and share them with other people. If you know someone that needs encouragement, when you go to the website, there's audiograms that are there. You can send an audiogram to encourage someone. Please, take advantage of the resources. You'll be glad you did. My name's Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101.